the book of First John, and it is not often that uh, I attempt such a thing, and so you'll have to fasten your seatbelts tonight, but uh, what I'd like for us to do is go the whole way through the book of First John. In these five chapters, forms of the word love are used over 26 times in our King James Bible. And uh, those that are here have known that uh, the last several Thursday nights, we've been just going in a series of biblical words. We've dealt with grace and mercy, and of course, you can't read your Bible very much and not come across the word love. And uh, I'll tell you, you turn over the, turn on the news, and, and I mean, love is just everywhere, is it not? Uh, no. Uh, there's a lot of things out there called love, uh, but uh, if you really want to understand what love is, you've, you've got to go to the source. And uh, most people are familiar with the, the Bible verse. It's found here in First John, twice in chapter 4, it says, God is love. Now, when we make that statement, when we think about that, do, do we really understand? I mean, just like the song we sang. Trust and obey, except for when I don't like it. Trust and obey, except for when it's hard. Trust and obey, except when I don't feel like it. I mean, really, do, do we, we sing the words, and, uh, but... Maybe we should change it to thrust and delay or something like that. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, forgive me, uh, my warped sense of humor there. But uh, the simple truth of the matter is, when we talk about this word love, do we really equate that? I mean, uh, at Heartland, uh, there's this place dedicated to love. It's called the Loop, Right. And, and those that are uh, walking down the pathway of love there will walk in this little tiny circle. It used to be much larger in the old days, but now it's gotten smaller. And, and, and they'll walk around that circle and walk around that circle. And, and uh, I'm not quite sure what that's supposed to accomplish, but uh, um, let's, let's change this. Let's, let's stop and let's just think about this for a moment. If God is love, how, how do we find God walking around the circle together? Well, wait a minute. Isn't God everywhere? Amen? You see, so oftentimes what we do when we are looking for love, when we're trying to find love, when we're trying to experience love is... We are trying to find someone to give us something. That's why animals are so adored in the city. It's because you can tell that animal anything you want. Oh, my cat loves me so. There's no such thing as a cat loving anything except itself. I mean... Uh, that That is the way cats work. And But, I mean, you can... You can play the game if you want, but 
you know, real love isn't something that is given to satisfy me. And what I want us to do here tonight in a very short period of time is look at this idea of love. I mean, uh, of all the authors of the Bible, if you go through the Gospel of John, I mean, every chapter, love, 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 loveth, love, lovest thou me more than these. I mean, all through the Gospel of John. And now in this short little general epistle, general letter of John, five chapters, one of the shorter books of our Bible. And the word love here is all through this thing. Now, he tells us in chapter 1, and we're just going to have to abbreviate things here, summarize things. It says, verse 3, that which we have heard of chapter 1 now, that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. Now, let me ask you a question. How many would raise a hand and say, my joy is full. I couldn't have any more possible joy in my life. I'm just showing you what to do if you're there, but uh, I don't see any hands just shooting up all over the place. In fact, if I were to ask it a little different, how many of us could use a little more joy in our life? Every honest hand would go up now, wouldn't it? And yet, that's what this book is about. That our joy may be full, that we can have fellowship. Now, One of the reasons why we have family fun nights once a month is to sponsor fellowship within the family of the church. But guess what? We we should enjoy that fellowship when we're singing the hymns together just as much as we do when we're eating food or playing games. Um, We're to have that fellowship with God, with God. The Lord Jesus Christ. And what does that fellowship do? If we read down through the, the, the last part of this, it tells us that we, are, we can have fellowship with, with uh, men like the Apostle John, which, of course, we can't because he's in heaven right now and we're stuck here on earth. One day we will. We'll all be together there. And that we can have Not only joy, that our joy might be full, but also we read the rest of that first chapter there and what's it deal with? Forgiveness of sins. You know, the number one thing that stops us from enjoying fellowship with other people is our personal sin. We don't, maybe we don't want other people to know what's going on in our lives. So we cover it up and we put on a real smile. How are you doing? Fine. And again, I want to challenge you. That's much better than the person when you ask them how they're doing. Say, do you have a couple of hours? It just might take that long. Uh, You don't want to be at either extreme, amen, because you're both lying. What we want here is to have fellowship to actually enjoy being together. Amen? And one of the things, I mean, the world, 
uh, the United Nations about peace on earth. Uh, I was rearranging some of the books in my library. I found a little book here if you want to know about the United Nations called The Fearful Master. And it is a devastating book. And it just talks about the murder and the mayhem and all of the crimes against humanity that people have committed serving in the Peace Corps of the United Nations. It's a terrible book. I don't really recommend it. Depressing, depressing read. But that's the best that man can do. I want to challenge you what goes on there at the United Nations. Sure, a whole lot better than what went on in communist Russia. It's sure a lot better than what's gone on in history. But it's not good. It's not what the Bible talks about. How are we supposed to enjoy that forgiveness of sins, to have full joy and to actually enjoy being around other people? Well, that's where the word love comes in, and that's why 26 times in the next four chapters, uh, it's everywhere. Because that's what we need. When I was a little kid, um, my parents got me a little, uh, one of them little uh, boom boxes, we called it, it had a tape recorder on it, and, and so I would listen to the radio, and they had this song, and I, uh, I wasn't even saved at the time, I don't believe, but it was, what the world needs more is love, sweet love, and man, I recorded that, and I listened to that, and I'm going, oh, that's it, and then I thought about it, and I said, what a dumb song. <laughs> you see... Didn't Jesus already die on the cross? How, how could the world get any more love than God has already given to it? You see, the problem isn't love. It's there. If love is God and God is love, then there is more love than the world could ever uh, understand, could ever use. Because God is love. The problem is we don't access that love. We don't use that love. We don't take advantage uh, uh, of the benefits of that love. And so let's go through this book here. And we come here to uh, chapter 2. And let's just read verse 1 to set the, the tone here. He says, My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. The righteous. Now skip down to verse 5. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. Have you ever heard anybody say, well, you can get too much of that Bible there. I mean, I've, I've heard that many, many times. I mean, you can just have too much religion. Uh, wait a minute. He says here, my little children, I write these un- things unto you that ye sin not. Could we do with a little less sin in our world? Uh, would that not benefit us all greatly? And, and how do we do that? You see, no person... Obeying the love of Jesus Christ has injured another person. I want to be careful 
There were times in the Old Testament where God told the children of Israel to fight wars and to win wars and all of these things. We're we're talking on a personal level here. A believer in Jesus Christ. No one has ever done injury to another human being being obedient to Jesus Christ. That has not happened in all of history. Why? Because God is love. Now, go out and pass out a handful of tracks, and what's going to happen? Oh, I don't want one of those! Now, they would say that we've done injury. No. We've expressed to them as much as they will receive what God's love actually is. If they won't receive it, we can't help them any more than you can help a drowning person who will not listen to the commands of the lifeguard. Or a sick person who refuses to allow the doctor to perform the surgery that needs to be done or give them the medicine that will save their lives. You cannot help someone who refuses the help. And so, here it says that if we'll keep His Word, and this is a theme that's all through your Bible, Jesus told the disciples, if you love me, what? Keep my commandments. And it says, if we will keep His Word, the love of God is perfected in us. We get down to verse 10, and says, He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. And we get down to verse 15, And it takes a whole different light here. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Now that changes completely, doesn't it? It says, if we we love our brother, if we love people, then, and of course it's understood, the word brother here is talking about another saved person. And, And the proximity of that saved person, if we will just stay within the overall context of the Bible, is someone that I am in the same church with. This is the idea here of this book, is loving my brother who I can reach out and touch. But if I'm loving the world, I can't love my brother. In fact, as I embrace the world, I separate myself from God and His love. It's almost like a, um, a a scale, if you want to, to put it that way. As I embrace God and His love, I love other people. As I embrace the world and its love, I push myself away from God and His love, and I start loving the world on its own terms. And when I love the world on their terms, now let's get back to what the world is. I mean, I've often asked the question, how many of you have been taken advantage uh, 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 by someone trying to help you? 
Uh, I threatened to preach this sermon for years and just, uh, I think it'd be too much in the flesh, the Lord, to just not give him permission yet. But the most hateful person in the world is the one that is helping you with your problems because they're trying to make points with God. What could be more horrible than that? I need you to be a miserable slob and have problems so I can be a good pastor. I'm so glad that's not in the Bible, amen? I, I don't need your problems to help me be better person. I need to get closer to God. And I need to give up on this worldly idea of love. There, I, I don't know how many times I've said this. I, I wouldn't even want to try to count. And, and I don't think it goes very far. There is nothing out there in the world that's going to help you love God. There is nothing out there. How many? Oh, if I could just get my life in order, then I'd be able to serve God. Wrong. Your life will never get in order. If you want to be on that uh, little hamster wheel, you remember those things that a little hamster just runs around? That's, that's where you're going to be your whole life. You're never going to get there. You've got, and, and let's keep moving here, but here is the point, is love originates with God. Love separates me from the world and from the sin of the world so that I can care about other people and other people can actually care about me. Look at verse 1 of chapter 3. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Uh Uh-oh. Wait a minute. Uh, We're just continuing on the same thought here. You see, if I love the Father, I can't love the world. If I will receive the love that the Father has, how many times uh, we just keep going on, the world says, you think you know you're saved. Yes, I do. Not because I'm such a wonderful person, but because God said so. He called me His Son. Well, you sure don't act like it. You know what? That's what love's all about now, isn't it? It's giving you something you don't deserve. Now, if you want to use my humanity as your excuse to reject the love of God, I I feel very sorry for you. Because you have exactly the same problems I got as every other human being has. Let's be honest here. God does not call those who believe on His name their children because they're wonderful people. I don't know who coined the phrase, but they said the ministry would be a wonderful thing if it weren't for people. And uh, the problem is when you get people in a room, you got problems. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, we go back to chapter 2 here. And I'm determined to make this more than one sermon. Uh, and, and it says that as I keep His Word, the love of God is perfected in my life. 
And, and we look here in, in verses 10, it says, In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of devil, whosoever doeth not righteousness is not God, neither he that loveth not his brother. Verse 11, For this is the message that ye have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Verse 14, We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Look at verse 17. But whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Now, believe it or not, I've actually been quoted parts of that verse out of context by a homeless guy because I wouldn't give him money to buy more liquor or cigarettes. And I had the audacity to tell him that I smelled the liquor on his breath. And, oh, I got a really good cussing over that because I didn't love. Uh, Wait a minute. The context here is people who are saved. It is loving brethren and helping each other serve Christ. How do we do that? Look at verse 16. Hereby perceive we the love of God. Okay, if you want to see the love of God in action, here's how you can see it. Because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Look at verse 18. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Now, there's lots of other verses that flesh this out, and I would challenge you to take a little bit of time and and read through this wonderful little book. But I want you to understand something. We see God's love when we give our lives for others. Now, I want to challenge you how that works. In a marriage... If it's going to be a godly marriage, it's not, we believe in a 50-50 relationship. I mean, we do 50-50%. No, marriage, biblical marriage is 100-100. You give up everything. And whenever I have an opportunity to counsel uh, young men and women preparing for marriage, I, I let them know, hey, especially young men, if this is a biblical marriage... The, the young lady is giving up her name. She's giving up the direction of her life. She's giving up everything. You better be worthy of such an incredible gift. Well, let's take it in the spiritual realm. What did Jesus give up for us? Uh, would it hurt you to give up a little time, show up for church services? I'm preaching to the choir tonight now, aren't I? But isn't this what it's talking about? If you'll stop and... Think in your own relationship with God. Have you ever looked around and said, Am I the only one that's faithful here all the time? Oh, wait a minute. When we are faithful to God's Word because it's God's Word, that's when we have the opportunity to encourage others to do what's right. And if we don't encourage them, at least we take away their excuse. And you know what? True love is taking away people's excuses as well, is it not? It is helping others to do 
right. And we get down to chapter 4. It, it's, it tells us here, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into this world. And there's an application. There is so much given and said in the name of love that it's just unbelievable. How many wicked, terrible songs have been written about lust using the word love instead of lust? Uh, don't try to remember them all. It, it's not going to help you spiritually. But listen, just because it's called love doesn't mean it is love. And in chapter 4, we just start in verse 7 here. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and His love is perfected in us. See, it's really easy to say, I love God, because you can't see Him. But John says here, if you love God, you're going to have to love the things that God loves. You know what they say about uh, older couples? That sometimes they'll even start looking like each other. How many of you have ever seen an older, elderly couple? And I mean, they look more like a brother and sister than they did a husband and wife. I pray that doesn't happen to my wife. But... Uh, uh, the simple truth of the matter is we got to give up ourselves. That's why we don't love. If the love of God is in us, what did Jesus do? Do you think Jesus went to the cross because he wanted to? They put up with 12 knuckleheads called disciples because he felt like that was a good thing to do. Uh, I'll tell you, Jesus did not gain one thing except the opportunity for us to see God's love on display. And it says here, one, one verse that I wish we could spend the whole evening on, but we're not going to. Look at verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Okay? This is how our love is lived in such a way that when we stand before God, we can be confident that God will accept our service for Him. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a terrifying verse, is it not? How many of you have read 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where it says our works will be tried with fire? And only what's left in the book of Jude, it said that some are going to be pulled out of the fire, having even their garments spotted by the flesh. And I will tell you, this is the age in which we live, is it not? But then it says, because as he is, so are we 
in this world. Because as he is, why did they call them Christians first at Antioch? Because they acted like Jesus. How will we have confidence if I can love this book more than I love the world? Because if I love God and I love His words and I obey His words instead of everything the world tells me, I'll start acting like Jesus does. And you notice it says, as He is, because Jesus never changes. Amen? He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's the book of Hebrews. And then we get to this thing about fear. Fear and love. You want to get rid of fear? Fill the void with love. That's, that's simply what it is. You can drown fear with love. And by the way, you can drown love with fear just as easily. It, it goes back and forth. It's just another one of those measures. But if you want to know how to get rid of your fear... Verse 19, we love him because he first loved us. Can you get wrapped up in the love of God? So much so that you're not afraid to obey God, even if it means disobeying man. I've had people say, yeah, well, I'm just not like you, Pastor. I'm, I, I, I'm not confident. I can't just get up there in front of people. And, and uh, I often wish that I had some way of turning the clock back just a little bit and introducing you to a uh, 16-year-old or an 18-year-old Pete Montoro. But if you ever met that guy, you would never allow him to be your pastor. <laughs> uh, you, you wouldn't do that. Um, and, and God is the one that changes us. My confidence doesn't come from the fact that I really believe in me. My confidence comes from the fact that I believe in God. And if I'm going to trust God, then why would I trust the Republicans or the Democrats? Uh, Why would I trust the National Geographic crowd that tried to tell me that animism and all these ancient religions are just as good as my Bible? Why would I trust them when I can trust God? Why are we so afraid of people and not afraid of God? You see, look at chapter 5. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that believeth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. Now, John was writing primarily here to Jewish believers, and they had a problem. They believed God the Father. They loved God the Father. In fact, uh, the, the rabbi that owned the building left several books in here, and I just found one today that says the Messianic ideals in the Bible. It's a Jewish book, and, and I, I'm just dying to get a little bit of time to read that thing. But I've got to get my classwork done for Brother Jet first. I've only been three years, and I 
got through the first two lessons. We'll, we'll get it done sooner or later. But the, the point being is if you love God the Father, you're going to love Jesus Christ too. Read John chapter 8. That's what Jesus was telling them. He says, you say you love God. He's my Father. He sent me. If you loved Him, you would love me. But the fact that you don't love me proves that you don't love God. We get to verse 2. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. There is, people ask all the time, how can I be a better fill in the blank, a better father? Uh, what, what book do you have that will teach me about being a, a, a better husband and a better father or a better mother to my children? Um, love God and keep His commandments and He'll take care of the rest. There was a thing that used to be well known among American people. It was just called Common sense. Uh, my dad called it horse sense. He said even a horse has enough sense to know to come in out of the rain. And yet you don't. Well, we'll get that fixed. Amen. Uh, the point here being, when we get things right between us and God, Things on this plane between us and others take care of themselves. The reason we're so offensive on this plane is because we're offensive on this plane. When this is out of kilter, everything here has to be out of kilter. But when it's straight up and down, then everything else can be straight. They spent a whole year on warp and woof of Christianity at Heartland. It was one of the themes. And it's talking about the different directions that the thread goes in a material. And if you get the vertical one straight, then you have an opportunity to make the horizontal ones straight. And so we look at verse 3. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. See, we're looking at love. And we're just taking John's little letter here and chasing through those 26 times. Uh, We didn't read every one of them, but most every one of them, that the word love is used in this little book. And it keeps saying the same thing over and over again. You know why? Because we don't get it the first time. It just doesn't penetrate. God is love. Therefore, if I want there to be true godly love in my marriage, i got to make things right with God first. If I want things to be truly godly in our church, each one of us as members of the church have got to love God first. And then all of a sudden, those quote-unquote rules aren't rules anymore. It's just something we do to give up ourselves in obedience for Christ. We give our lives. How do we give those? You're giving part of your life right here tonight, being in this service and listening. Now, if you don't do anything about it or just dismiss the whole service, well, then you've wasted that time. 
But if you'll accept what the Bible says about love and what God wants to do in our life, guess what? It'll make us have fellowship one with another. It'll make us to go to the God and confess our sins. And that will give us fellowship with God and His Son, Jesus Christ, under the direction and the influence of the Holy Spirit of God. And if the world needs something, it needs God. It needs the God of this Bible. It needs the only true God to come in and revive what used to be just plainly understood. Why was it plainly understood? Because people understood about God. You know, if you understand about God at all, you're not going to grab a bucket of water and throw it on a policeman in New York City. can't do it. The, pe- the reason people do that is because they don't understand anything about God. Nothing about authority. Nothing about God. Now, people disagree with me on that. Be my guest. But I'll tell you what. If I want to love other people, i got to love God first. We've, we've got to get a hold. God is love. And the reason I express hate and anger toward other people is because I don't love God enough. Do you realize God loved me when I was in total rebellion against Him? And let me ask you a question. How many of us have disappointed the love of God since Sunday? Does He throw us out? Say, I've had enough of you. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's love. I want to live in that love. How about you? But I'll tell you, you can't live in that love and not let it seep out and touch others. Can't happen. In fact, that's God's plan. Like the old preacher said, he said, you fill up the cup and let it leak into the saucer. And then you fill up the saucer and it runs out on the table and everybody gets some. Well, I prefer my coffee in my own cup, but you get the idea. If your life is running over, it's going to touch other people. Does that sound like full joy? Yeah. Because it is. Let's pray.